The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to open with a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and read our passage tonight. But um, in my prayer, I want to incorporate... uh, um, an opportunity to pray uh, uh, for those who will be traveling uh, this Christmas season. I know some of you have already probably uh, made plans or will be uh, heading off. I know I have my daughters coming in from Phoenix uh, this weekend to be with us. And so let's go ahead and pray for our time together. So Heavenly Father, uh, first and foremost, uh, we want to thank you for the season where we remember and anticipate the first coming Uh, of your son Jesus into this world. Lord, it's a familiar story to those of us who know church, and it's a beautiful story related in the Gospels. Um, But Lord, the first coming reminds us of your incredible love for us, that you would uh, send your son into a world, uh, Lord, that in many ways uh, was hostile, and yet Jesus would come for the purpose of dying on the cross for our sins and raising from the dead, ascending to your right hand, and which reminds us, Lord, that we, that we who live in this hour, in this moment, we anticipate Jesus' second coming and coming into our world and bringing justice and making things right. And so, Lord, as we gather tonight, uh, we live in the shadow of your return, Jesus, and our hearts uh, look upward. Uh, During this time of the year, Lord, the conclusion, the ending of the year, we want to pray for those who are not well, who are not feeling well, who are sick, for loved ones. Uh, Lord, we pray for your healing power, Lord, to go out and to bring healing, uh, to give rest, to give comfort. We also pray for those who will be traveling or are, are traveling, have traveled, Lord, that they will arrive to their destination safely. I conclude, Lord, with praying for those who find themselves uh, maybe this Christmas season, uh, life circumstances are a bit on the challenging side. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would bring your people around such uh, situations and, and being with people, Lord, that the body of Christ could, could be more than a gathering and more of a family this season. And Lord Jesus, as we uh, study your word tonight, as we look into these handful of verses, Um, Lord, might you speak to our hearts. That's what the word is intended to do, to speak to our hearts. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so uh, to the best of my ability, I I approach Christmas with, um, it's it's joyous to me. Uh, The opportunity this weekend, uh, on, on Saturday, we'll be gathering at 4 uh, p.m. and 6 p.m. here for Christmas Eve service, and and then on Sunday we'll have we'll have the one one service at 10:30. Now these services are shortened, uh, intended to be family services. Obviously, we'll have a lot of visitors. Uh, it'll be that opportunity for some of you to invite somebody and kind of lean on them a little bit. And uh, but the s- services will be shorter, and so children will be welcome in the service. We won't have any. Uh, children's ministry. So this weekend is certainly exciting, something that we're looking uh, forward to. And and because he's still in the room, I I wonder if you would thank Joel Robinette with me uh, for leading us in worship tonight. Um, 
good brother. I, I know that's not why he does it, but I think that as a body of Christ, we can certainly uh, appreciate one another's gifts. Um, I'm going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Um, and, and the heading over this portion of Scripture is that Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. Jesus sends out or sends away the 12 apostles. And so beginning in verse 7, I read from the English Standard Version, and I want to greet those of you who are joining us online or who will watch this at another time. Uh, God bless you, Maranatha, to you, and those who might be out on Solomon's porch this evening. If you are, I hope you're bundled up and cozy with somebody. Uh, But Mark's Gospel says, And he, Jesus, called the twelve, that is, that he called them to himself, and then began to send them away two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. This would be demonic entities. And he charged them to take nothing uh, for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics, or that would be uh, outer garments. And he said to them, Wherever, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake, the, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony or a witness against them. And so verse 12, and we'll conclude with this verse, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, that people should repent, turn away from sin and turn to God, verse 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Well, we've already prayed. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to meet um, with a gentleman. He, now, he's about my age, and I've known him as more of an acquaintance. I can't say that he's a close friend, but the reason we were gathering together was just to touch base. He, he ministers in a country, I'm not going to necessarily name the country to you tonight, but that's not really the, the point. You see, the title of our Bible study tonight is Kingdom Words. So the apostles went out preaching the word, kingdom words and kingdom works. Uh, That is, the apostles worked the same miracles that Jesus did. Well, my friend in the community where I was a youth pastor, um, he owned a Christian bookstore. And and over time, he developed a relationship with young people in the community. They would come and get, you know, the latest music, and, and they would have conversations. And then even over time, he would begin to take them on short-term missions trips. Really, really, as a youth pastor, I really admired uh, the ministry that he was doing. He didn't have an official title from a church or degree or anything like that, not that there's anything wrong with those things. But it was very much a grassroots, you know, community street level. I guess that's really a way to put a street level ministry. And he told me that, that on one occasion he visited this country with a small group, short-term mission we would call it. And, and he felt God began to speak to his heart. Not, not necessarily the audible voice, but the desire to return to that country and to minister with the pastors who were ministering out in the country, away from the city. And so finally he sold his business and, 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 and went to this country and 
began to work with these pastors, and, and it came to him uh, through the community there that the, that the young people, we would call them young adults, would, would go from the, would, from the rural area, from the country, and would go into the city in order to receive their education. And this is where it got interesting in our conversation over lunch. He said, you know, Danny, I was in my room. He goes, every morning I have my devotions, and, and I began to feel a desire to do something for these young people that were coming into, into the city. And so as I was working with these pastors, it, it, they approached me and said, you know, there are two young men who are looking for a place to live while they're going to university. He says, I went into you know, my room. He goes, and he made a point of saying this. He goes, my room was minuscule. This is where I live, this tiny little room. And he says, Danny, there was something in me that said, well, you know, Lord, this is really all I have. This is like my sanctuary. This is where I can be alone with you. And he said, within a couple of weeks, his little small room was being shared with these two young men. Now, there's a challenge in the story because he didn't speak their language, nor did they speak his language. They were present there in order to go to university. He was there to kind of figure out what God wanted to use him, how God wanted to use him. And he said that he would, he would do his devotions, he would pray, and then the idea or the thought came into his mind, why don't you lead them in a devotional? And he said, well, I don't speak the language. And so he took his reading program. I know some of you use reading programs. And, 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 and he, he got them a Bible in their language. And yes, I'm being careful not to say too much here. And he would show them where to read. And then he would read. Then day after day, he would show them where to read. And he would read. And then he would use his scriptures, his Bible to begin to teach them something that they wanted very much, and that was the ability to speak English. And the relationship developed. Now remember, I, I don't know if you know this, but I came here in 2005. It was about the time that he ended up in this country. And out of that relationship with those two young men and helping them learn English, them becoming Christians, they started a church that is in existence today. Now listen, and now there are hundreds of young people who come in from the country and stay in buildings that God has allowed him to establish. Listen, because of the word and because of the work. Not a pastor of a church, no formal training or education, and you need to know that I am, not, I am in no way looked down upon those things, but this is a simple individual who answered the pull of his heart. And, and he would tell you, he was so humble. I left that meeting feeling like he would take absolutely zero credit for anything that God was doing. And he would continually point, he says, Danny, it is simply the word of God. Which then I see the product of the word of God over these almost 18 years as being, listen, the work of God. The word of God and the work of God. By design, I believe that Mark's gospel positions the story of the sending out of the 12 right before the death of John the Baptist. 
I believe that it's by design in that John, that Mark's um, initial readers were being persecuted by Rome. You know the story. Mark is likely in Rome. It is a short period of time after the martyrdom of both Paul and Peter. And he's getting the word out to individuals that were experiencing suffering directly related to their faith in Christ. And so he takes the story about the power of these men going out and he positions it right before one of the great men of the scriptures died. He too for his obedience to the God. I want you to see something happening here. I want you to see the kingdom of God expanding on the move, moving throughout, throughout uh, Israel at the time. But I also want you to see the kingdom of darkness in its response. In, in that it would, the, the resistance that the, uh, the kingdom of darkness is that, it would, that, that we would see John's death. Again, John the Baptist. If Jesus' rejection by the village of, of Nazareth, which we looked at last time, appeared to be a setback, I want you to see that the sending out of the 12 is being a big win. I don't know if you follow sports. I do so at a very far distance. But this is a very big win for the kingdom of God, as is the case when God would send us out to our community or to our family, to others. I want you to think of men who were with Jesus being prepared for this moment in time. And I don't want you to distance yourself too far from this because you and I are being prepared for a moment in time. I want you to see a process where they were up close and personal with Jesus. Then they would, in teams of two, do what they watch Jesus do. They would, they would initially, at a distance, they would watch or listen to Jesus preach. And then as they went out, they themselves would take that very same message and they would preach. They too would watch Jesus individual by individual, disease by disease, infirmity by infirmity. They would watch Jesus deal with individuals and then they themselves would do the very same thing. And then I'm sure beyond their wildest imaginations, they would watch the Lord deliver people from the power of evil with but a word, and then they themselves, with their own voices, would see people released from demonic oppression. This is what it looked like. Everything that they saw Jesus do, they would have retained in their hearts, and in turn, they would have done it exactly the same way. They had what I call delegated authority. They had Jesus' authority. These men expanded Jesus' ministry. Just stop and think about it as Jesus would call them to himself. We don't have a geographical area. I know we're calling this the Galilean ministry, but uh, we, we, we have them being called to Jesus. He takes the disciples or the apostles, I'm sorry, and he puts them together and he sends two in that direction. Then two more he sends in that direction. And then he sends them to where they've been. And he sends them. And each, these two disciples, as they go away, we'll see the specific directions that they have. They disappear into the horizon, uh, in, 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 down the road. They themselves are invited to experience a mission. 
that he one day would hand over to him. This is, again, preparation. This is to show them what their ministry will be like. It's important to understand that although God doesn't need man's help, that it's his nature to include us as co-workers in his kingdom work. It is in God's nature to draw you and I to himself so that we might participate in kingdom work. In the same way Adam and Eve were given a level of stewardship in Eden, in the same way that the spirit realm is populated by angelic beings carrying out God's will, so then God sends us into the world as lights into darkness. You and I are sent into this world because we've been with Jesus with our own vernacular, our own language, our own way of speaking and communicating, our own way of communicating the word and our own way of of communicating our work of the kingdom, we are sent out into the world. You are God's plan for this world. You are God's plan. On the screen you'll see The sentence, it says, being sent by Jesus is the result of being with Jesus. That each one of us, as we are with him, our nature is changed. One of the aspects of our nature being changed is that we begin to have a heart or a concern that he has for the world around us. Uh, I, I, for many years, worked with the young people here in the church. What I mean by that, a, a student ministries and I love watching the enthusiasm and the potential as they come and they sit down and they begin to talk about the world as they see it. Now, let me be very clear. I know it's going to be hard to believe, but I'm well into my 60s. And I'm talking to young people and to see that vibrancy, optimism, it's very different. It's very different. And, 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 and I, believe, I believe that as we encourage each other to spend time with the Lord, as we encourage each other to carry the word into this world, that we too, those are my generation, right? You know, I identify my generation, those of us who can order off the back of a Denny's menu. It's not that we necessarily see the world transformed. We see people transformed. We see people's lives change. I know that some of you are sitting here tonight, and obviously you're not standing, I'm doing the standing, you're doing the sitting. And you might be thinking to yourselves, what have I been prepared to do as it pertains to the gospel, Danny? What, what do you think, Danny, that I'm supposed to do? Well, let me, let me, let me ask, just make a couple of statements here. When you ask me, what have I been prepared to do as it pertains to the gospel, let me ask you, could it be that your role is related to the very thing that you might believe disqualifies you? Could it be that your role in the kingdom is that one thing that you would say disqualifies you? Secondly, might what we know about God be revealed to us through something that we consider a weakness? And when I say what we know about God, I would say experientially, not, not, not something that's theory or something, repeating something that you have heard somebody else say, but that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what you have to share with others is what you've experienced from God yourself. 
It's what I would say, it's real to you. It's tangible to you. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses could not see himself delivering people from Egypt or from Pharaoh. In Exodus 4 verse 10, listen to his words. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Now this is interesting to me because when I do the math, Moses was likely raised in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's home probably until the age of 40. We know one thing about the, about the pharaohs of Egypt is that they were looked to as a deity. And so there would be training that he would have experienced, especially, listen, especially in communicating to the people, especially in their ability to speak or to articulate. But how does he see himself? He says, I'm not eloquent. Either in the past, reference to his time in Egypt, or since you have spoken to me. Listen, I personally know what it feels like to think I don't have what it takes. I don't believe I can do what God's asking me to do. And when this is the case, you're in good company. Let me read to you from the Apostle Paul, again on the screen, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And this is God speaking. Remember, this is regarding the thorn or the weakness in the flesh. It says, but God, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to these words. For my power, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, now because God says this, God, Paul says this of himself, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God says that his power is made evident in your weakness. In that thing that you want to hide, in that part of your life that you want to erase from your resume, God says, it is through that that I will show my power. When my friend went to this country, he, had, he didn't have the ability to communicate, but he had the ability to point to the one thing that transformed his life so that he had great confidence that it would transform the lives of others. Let me say that again. It was the word of God that changed his life. And that gave him confidence to know that if it changed my life, it can change the lives of these young people who I not, don't even have the ability to communicate with. I can't even, I know nothing, little to nothing about their culture, about they themselves, but I have confidence in God's word. Spiritually speaking, the principle that is, is that in our inability, God infuses his, his anointing and his power. You know, to me, one of the greatest insights of the book of Acts, really the birth of the church, theologians would identify Acts chapter 2, is that there are these 120 people, the, they were Galileans. These are from, from the north around the Sea of Galilee. Obviously, Danny, that makes sense. And, and one of the things that they were known for, and we see this in, in Peter, right? Uh, when Jesus was on trial with the Sanhedrin, is that he was identified by this accent. And so in Acts chapter 2, God uses 
these Galileans, I'm going to read it here in a moment, but listen, he uses these Galileans known for their accents to to be the sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. Listen, listen, listen. The sign of the Spirit's coming was tongues or languages unknown to the speaker. In Acts chapter 2, verses, beginning in verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling or staying, residing in Jerusalem, likely because of the Feast of Pentecost, Jews, devout men for, from every nation under heaven, all the known nations of the world at that time. And at, that, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. They were confused. Because each one of the 120 was, or uh, each one of them was hearing them, uh, the 120, speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? What some people would have said the Galileans was their weakness is what God used to communicate to these devout men, these Jews, who many of whom would receive Christ at that moment. He used that to communicate the sign of this coming of the Spirit. I believe that this wonderful event sets up Peter's great sermon on that day where thousands will respond to Christ. So on the screen you'll see being sent by Jesus means being enabled by Jesus. I think one of the things, well, it's human nature, right? Is when somebody asks you to do something, the first thing you ask, you, 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 you ask yourself is, do I think I can do that? Um, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but um, I was signed up by somebody near and dear to me by, uh, to pickleball lessons. I don't know if you know pickleball. Do, you, do anybody know pickleball here? Yeah, you see. Yeah. You'll notice I have a wiffle ball mark right here in my forehead and show you how good I am. And... I wanted to be there with my wife, and, and I certainly was, and, and, and yet I have, you know, this, you know, 60-something-year-old man, and, you know, older, and works at this church, and I show up, and, and I'm just so self-conscious that I don't know what to do, and that's why I'm there, because, you know, they're going to teach me, and, and, you know, people show up, and I'm sizing these people up, you know, like, oh, I think I could beat her, and she's just got out of a wheelchair, and I, I think I could beat him, you know, he's got a, a cane, so he, you know, to help him get around, and I get out on the court, and they pepper me. They just like, whack, 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 whack. And I'm like, I, I don't know what happened to me. But, you know, this, this, this very human, natural inclination of ours to be super self-conscious of what we know we can't or we don't believe we can do, when it comes to being sent out by the Lord, he will show you that he will do it through you. Tonight, Jesus desires to share his word both verbally and by example through you. That is his plan. That is his heart's desire. That is one of the great reasons that the Spirit was sent on that day and is sent today into our lives. 
That is the great reason that we have the word of God. It's because he desires to enable you, and we are enabled by being with Jesus. When I, when I was young, I've told this story before in a teaching here on Sunday morning. I, I didn't understand my family. Um, I actually still don't understand my family, but from time to time, my dad would come to me and he'd say, Hey, Junior, um, let's go. It's usually at night, and I jump in his pickup. My dad always drove pickups. He was in construction. And I jump in the truck. I had no idea where I'm going. I'm just doing what I'm told. I want to live as long as I can, so I jumped in the truck. And He'd pull down in Vista on Santa Fe in town. He'd pull into a, a bar, and he'd say, stay here. Now, the interesting thing about being little and looking into a beer joint or a bar is I could see the cigarette smoke coming out, and sometimes I could see the pool table and the shining bars. And tell me, this little kid's got his nose plussed up to the glass. And I could see people moving around inside. And then my dad would come out of the, the bar with a gentleman, and he'd bring him, and he, he would sit him down in the truck. And the guy was, you know... Um, and I'd just sit there and observe it all, and my dad would drive him home, and usually there was a Hispanic woman waiting for him with the same roller that she made tortillas with, but she was going to use it for something else this evening. And Then the gentleman would disappear into the house, and my dad would come back out to the truck. We're driving home, and when I felt very confident, I'd say, you know, he's going to do it again. My dad said, yeah, I know. And I said, well, you know, they, they keep doing it over and over again. Why do you do it? He said, you know, Junior, I'm going to tell you something. The reason I go get them is because a handful of years ago, somebody came and got me. And he said, a part of my being sober is that I keep going back and helping them, hoping that maybe one of them will sober up. You know, part of the reason we go out into the world is because somebody came for us. Do you know the reason why we pray for loved ones? Is because somebody prayed for us. Do you know the reason Jesus sends out, sends us out into this world? Is because his heart's desire is to use us proclaim the gospel, to minister healing and deliverance to others. So during our time together, I want to hit on three things. In verse 7, Jesus sends imperfect men. And I want you to think about this. We are sent, you and I are sent, despite of our weaknesses. I'm going to read this again, verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now, when I think about calling, I think about Jesus up by the Sea of Galilee calling the fishermen brothers, either the mending of the nets or the fishing. And all he simply said was, follow me. Now, that wasn't the first time that they met Jesus. They saw him before. But it's impressive on how they would drop everything that they were doing and follow him. I would also think about the calling of uh, Matthew as he's at his tax collector booth there in Capernaum. And Jesus was simply, again, this very same thing, just follow me. And, and he would drop everything that he was doing and follow him. So Jesus called them with something in mind. He called them to be with him for a purpose. 
But it's important to see that following Jesus is very much a process that changes us. That when we follow him, immediately something begins to happen to us. One, our old life is left behind. The kingdom of darkness is left behind. But something very, very dynamic begins to happen to us. And that is that our character and our heart changes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, that is, our character and nature becoming like Christ, from one degree of glory to another. Meaning that calling is being developed in you by the Spirit. A work is taking place by the Spirit. The time between calling and sending represents a season of preparation. That time is going to be coming to an end. And so they're sent out. You and I are being prepared in order to be sent out. Some of you have already been sent out because God has prepared you to go. Two things here. The disciples or the apostles observed Jesus' method of ministry. There was nothing like what Jesus did. The religious leaders had nothing to do with the common people. The disciples watched and observed Jesus' method of ministry. That is how he ministered to the individual. The second thing they observed or witnessed was his manner in ministry. Jesus loved the people that he ministered to. And many times he ministers, ministered to the individual, to the person. I mean, you just stop and think about the leper. Jesus would take time. Jesus would listen. He would touch the leper, the woman, the woman at the well. He would engage in conversation with her. You think about so many people that Jesus ministered to. Certainly there were the crowds, but we have story after story after story how he loved an individual, how he engaged with that individual, and how he offered himself to that person. So the disciples, in their preparation, had Jesus' method of ministry as well as his manner of ministry. In Proverbs 13.20, on the screen, walk with the wise and become wise, Associate with fools and get in trouble. New Living Translation. The other thing Jesus did was he imparted authority over unclean spirits. All that he's saying, all that Mark is saying is that to powerless men, he gave power. To powerless today, to powerless men and women, Jesus gives you power. Power to preach or to communicate what the Word of God has done to you. Power, listen, power to pray and watch lives change and power over darkness. I said earlier that Jesus loved the people, which was very different than any ministry that the apostles would have witnessed at that time. Let me read to you from Matthew 9. Beginning in verse 35, it said, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, listen to this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And they said to his disciples, And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. That's representative in the great need that he saw. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. 
And the most curious thing about this passage is that the disciples themselves would be the answer to their prayers. One thing about this passage that we're considering tonight, and that is this missions trip, if that's what you want to call it, is unique. In Matthew chapter 10, a parallel passage, Jesus says in verse 5, the 12, the 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was limited in its scope. It wouldn't be at a further time. In the future, in the future, they would go to the, out to the world. We'll see that throughout the, uh, the New Testament. But in this moment of training, they would go to the house of Israel. I want you to think 12 apostles, 12 tribes, the Jew first, then the Gentile. I want you to see order, not importance. And they went two by two. They went two by two, allowing companionship and accountability. I don't really know if we're really called to do ministry by ourselves. Because we certainly do need companionship and encouragement. And we certainly do need accountability. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, the wise king says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. Also, the law, the Old Testament, required that two people be witnesses in a court of law. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, Moses tells us, Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three shall a charge be established. So then the apostles are sent out with God's authority despite their weakness. In verses 8 through 11, we'll see that Jesus sends dependent men. He sends men that would be dependent upon the Lord for their provision. For you and I, it means that we are sent, we are sent out trusting God for our needs to be met. Verse 8, it says, He charged or commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and, to put on, and, and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place, that would be any village or, or, or town, will not receive or welcome you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony or witness against them. The, the, needs, the needs on this particular um, mission were to be met by God. Jesus is teaching them, and Jesus is teaching us that our needs will always be met by God through others. I want you to see a bare-bones operation here with the focus being ministry, not comfort. A staff would have marked them as itinerant traveling preachers. The apostles were to take no bread. This would have been very uncommon. At the very least, just to go about your day, you would have taken bread with you. But Jesus says no bread, no bag, no money means nothing extra, no extra clothes, no extra cash. Trusting God to meet their, the needs by the hands of other people. 
This is foundational for a future sending. Uh, jump ahead a little bit. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 22. Again, this is, this is uh, just prior to Christ uh, Jesus' crucifixion. Luke 22, verse 35 says, And he said to them, now he's referring back to the sending that we're reading about tonight. So they're looking back in time. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or, sand, or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing. And he said to them, Now let the one, or in this, now that I'm sending you out now, let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. We would probably, a backpack. And let the one who has a sword sell his cloak and buy one. Verse 10, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. So the apostles went preaching Jesus' message. The apostles went with signs of power, exactly like Jesus' ministry. But now he wants them to live a certain way because the way they live will communicate to the community that they're coming into. He wants them to be content. He wants them to be okay. He wants them to be happy with the provided accommodations. He didn't want them asking for an upgrade. He didn't want them to supersize one home over another which would have been dishonoring in that community. He wanted them, listen, he wanted them to do things right. How we minister matters. How we do what we do matters. Jesus wants those who go in his name to be content with what is provided. Verse 11, he wanted them to know that they would experience, just like he did, rejection. If any place will not receive you, he said, they will not, and they will not listen to you. He tells them to, as they come to the edge of the community, to, to shake the dust of that community off of their feet. The shaking of dust from their feet was symbolic to God's judgment. During Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, they were driven out of Antioch. Luke writes in Acts chapter 13, 51, but they shook the dust from their feet against them and went on to Iconium. On the screen, you'll see rejecting the messenger means rejecting Jesus. You know, I know sometimes the pain that you experience when you share the gospel or in an attempt to be, show, share compassion with somebody, you yourself, we ourselves feel the pain. And I think it's in moments like that it's, it's that we remember the words to the prophet Samuel when, they, when Israel asked for a king and, and Samuel said, no, God is your king. He said, but we want a king. You know, we, we look at the countries around us and they have kings and, and we, look at, you know, we look at these, these powers and they have kings and Samuel said, but you're very different. You don't, you don't, God is your king. You don't need a king. Samuel goes to God and tells him, you know, God, they want a king. And he says something very interesting. Samuel, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. Rejecting the messenger means rejecting Jesus. 
Our last section here in verses 12 and 13, Jesus sends obedient men. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. As you go out, as we go out, we are sent, leaving the results to God. We leave the results to God. Almost done. Regardless of the results, obeying for us, obedience or faithfulness is the win. Remember Jesus' words in the Nazareth synagogue that clarifies our mission or his mission. Uh, In Luke chapter 4, it is from Isaiah 61 where he says of himself that he came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who were oppressed. So then we close with noticing that the apostles follow his method and his manner, proceed through open doors while walking away from closed doors. As representatives of Jesus, they're coming to a community brought salvation from physical suffering but also from spiritual death. My friends tonight, they came with the word and the works of the kingdom. And here we are very close to Christmas, remembering when Jesus came into our world. We see him in his vulnerability as a child, and he comes into our world, and he lives in this world. And I believe that at times as he as he as he took in, even prior to his ministry, as he took in all that was going on, there was something within the heart of God and the flesh that drove him, that drove him to be baptized by John the Baptist, that drove him by the Spirit into the wilderness, that brought him into Galilee to preach the word of life, to take all that the fall had had brought the shadow of the fall into the lives of people to bring healing and to deliverance. And his heart's desire tonight is to send to you and to empower you and that you would be moved with compassion as you see those who are suffering around you. And he would go with you. Would you join me in a word of prayer? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for each of these that have joined us tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you do stir our hearts, that you do cause our hearts to be touched um, by individuals and by situations and circumstances, Lord, where we we pray for people, where where we meet with people, where we talk with people, where we help people, Lord, for this very much is an outward expression of your heart. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters again that regardless of our weakness, regardless of our spiritual resume, if you will, that we hear you speak to us first to call us to be with you, then to send us out on your behalf to be light in darkness, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to bring your word, just the reading of your word, to those who are perishing. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our midweek revive service held Wednesday evenings. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.